This is 92.5 Phoenix FM, Community Radio for Dublin 15. Alright guys, it is Tuesday here on Phoenix 92.5 FM. Welcome to Rest of You. Again, uh, long-term fans of the show here might be wondering, what happened to the rest of your international desk? Well, look, um, that show is now defunct. It's on indefinite hiatus. It might come back. We might do the odd special show if Corey or Gary or Bryn ever want to kind of drop in and do a show like that again or whatever, you know. But um, it's just, you know, Bryn doesn't really like resting anymore. Um, so there's no point kind of looking for a new host on that. So I've taken the opportunity to kind of reboot the show into just WrestleView or WrestleView Ireland uh, from the WrestleView.com side of things. Um, so yeah, that's where we're going. And what's going to happen is either it's going to be uh, a, a stray cut from uh, a show called Freelands Rewind, which is a, a fantastic show, which I'm on a fair bit. And uh, it's done by um, a good friend of mine, Mike Freeland. Um, over on the True Penny Show um, feed, so you can check that out there as well. Or else, um, it'll be you know an interview, a show with Adam, a show with other uh, contributors from Wrestview or from the world of wrestling. Um, I don't really know. It, it kind of gives me a bit more freedom though to kind of uh, do different things with wrestling um, outside of just uh, the the desk, because uh, I think the desk had its own uh, character, its own. Uh, soul as such so doing it this way provides you know content for rest of you but also provides a weekly show for the people who listen exclusively on phoenix fm so nothing's changing um the show's still going to go over uh on phoenix fm every week it's going to go out on rest of you i just talked to adam there today it's going to go out on rest of you on their feed and it's also going to go on nerdtoknowmedia.com as well and through those feeds so you know, we're not going anywhere. There's still going to be wrestling hosted on this slot. So, um, you know, stay tuned. But this week is going to be interesting. The first part of Mike Freeland's Freeland's Wrestling Rewind. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's a very, very interesting show. We Check it out. And uh, we'll see you next week here on WrestleView. On Phoenix 92.5 FM, WrestleView.com and NerdToKnowMedia.com. Welcome to another episode of the Freeland Wrestling Rewind. My name is Mike Freeland. I am your host. I am your tour guide. I will help take you down the road. The last seven days in the world of professional wrestling. What happened? What didn't happen? What were some things that surprised you? What were some things that shocked you? Joining me on this voyage is the man who's joined me many times, the wrestling mind himself, to weigh in on everything that is WWE the brand new AEW. His name is Mr. Dara O'Connor. Dara, how are you doing? And thanks again for joining us again on The Rewind. What's up, Mike? How's it going? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Man, I tell you what, so many things are going on in wrestling, and it's so much fun that we get together, and we get to sit down and, and break bread and talk about something that we're very passionate about, and that's the world of professional wrestling. And guys, I'll tell you this right now. A lot of things have happened. A lot of things have happened that is very interesting. And I talked to a few different people uh, in the last seven days just about the inner workings of what's been going on between promotions. And, you know, Dara, wrestling is very much like high school. It, it, it is so petty in some ways and it is so uh, clicky in so many ways. But we're going to find out with some of these stories that we talk about just how clicky and petty that they really are. Mm. The first thing I want to jump into here is 
the big event that happened, the Royal Rumble. That's right. It was in Phoenix, Arizona last night. So many people have rave reviews about it online. I actually really enjoyed it. What are your thoughts on the Royal Rumble itself, and uh, what's your take on where they go from here? Well, firstly, the WWE got my money, and I (laughs) I paid for the WWE Network again, which I was like, I didn't think I was going to do. Uh, It's improved quite significantly since I had it last. Um, I do really enjoy the fact that you you can kind of watch it anywhere, and the catalog's quite good, the stream was very reliable. So, you know, I, I didn't feel cheated or didn't feel robbed from a performance standpoint. But from a card standpoint, I loved it. Um, yeah, there were some really stupid things. And it's kind of, I know you were live tweeting it as I was. Um, there were some kind of stupid things throughout the night. But overall, I thought the War Rumble match was decent. The middle of it was a bit of a mess. Um, we'll get into that. The female Royal Rumble was fantastic. Um, oh, I loved it. That was, that was the better rumble. Uh, and I really enjoyed the Finn Balor-Brock Lesnar match. I thought that it told a really good story. So, you know, overall, it's one of the best rumbles. It's one of the best uh, events that we've had in quite some time. And, you know, if you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth your time to make make it something you watch. You know, and it's interesting, too, because you'd, you'd mentioned that the, the Women's Royal Rumble was so entertaining and so good. It, and really, between the two Rumbles, that was the that was the big one. That yeah. was the one that so many people wanted to see that had so many eyeballs on it. And the crowd was really into that one big time, as opposed to it was with the men's. But let's kind of take a step even back further a little bit more. We've seen on the pre-shows that Mr. Shinsuke Nakamura it's on a pre-show again, and he was taking on Rusev. Now, Shinsuke did go ahead and retain – or not retain, but he uh, he got the U.S. title back again. Let me ask you about this real quick. With Shinsuke Nakamura, do you think that once his contract's up, he's going to re-up with them, or do you think he's had enough of this pre-show stuff? Uh, it's kind of hard to say. If you had asked me about six months ago, I would have said no. He's probably going to stay where he is. But with AEW making some reins, I can see him probably jumping there. Yeah, when it comes to somebody like like Shinsuke, who I feel like is a phenomenal talent, really is, is very charismatic. I feel like his personality, I hate to say supersedes what his talents are in the ring, but it, it almost does because he's, he's so enigmatic igna- and uh, much like a, a Jeff Hardy. But to see him on a pre-show, it bothers me to the point that you really built this guy up big time. And you brought him in, you know, and he had his matches and, you know, he had his different feuds, never won the big one. Then they end up giving him the United States Championship, feuds with Rusev, gets it back, et cetera, et cetera. I just feel like, once again, he's not being used to his max potential. But once again, when you have so much talent, that's on the card, and I think they do have a, a fair share of talent right now. Do you think that it's more politics than anything else that's keeping Shinsuke down? No, I think it's... Right, I like Shinsuke a lot. Um, but it's probably the same thing that keeps down a lot of non-American wrestlers in WWE. Um, they just don't connect. You know, they connect to a, an extent, but then there's nothing beyond that. Uh, the same thing happened with Hiedo Tommy, who also was on a pre-show, and he's like the the poster child for this happening. You know, although injury is probably a bigger factor for that, but 
look at Asuka. You know, yeah. same kind of thing happened with her, but then she brought herself back and rehabbed, and now she's back to where she was. With Shinsuke, because he's not, you know, a Mike character, he's an in-ring strong style character, there has to be something else there. Finn knows this. Asuka knows this. Shinsuke doesn't know this, you know, or isn't been like, hey, you know, we, we need, need a bit more than being a phenomenal talent because this isn't, this isn't 2007 anymore. This isn't 2008. This isn't even 1998. You know, we have guys in the ring who are able to go and do what you're able to do. Maybe to a lesser extent, but have something else. And I know he's tried, but Shinsuke now... <laughs> is the same as Shinsuke when he debuted. You know, there's been no kind of growth. It's a John Cena uh, scenario. And unless that happens, you know, how can WWE market him? It's like, yeah, he's the king of strong soul. Cool, what does that mean? Can he cut a promo? No. Okay, uh, do you have a character? Yeah, kind of, what is it? Okay, that doesn't make any sense. Um, you know... <laughs> They're just going to have to adjust how they're presenting this guy and what they want him to be. Right now, I don't know what they want him to be. So, what's he supposed to play to? This is a problem with WWE Creative. Not with Hiedo, sorry, with, yeah, not with Hiedo, Tommy, or Shinsuke Nakamura. Neither one of them are doing anything wrong. They're just not being packaged in the right way compared to someone like Asuka or Finn Balor or Becky Lynch. You know, these guys and girls, you know, are not American. They have accents that people can't really understand sometimes. But they have worked on what does connect with the fans and pushed that ahead. Shinsuke Nakamura hasn't done that. And until that's adjusted, I can see him just going, all right, thanks, bye guys. You know, and then walking. And that's sad. Look, hold on, Mike. In 2019, we still haven't got Kenta in a WWE ring as Kenta. Right? Hiedo Otami awesome good wrestler but he's not kicking people's faces in which is what kenta did you know he's not doing the dts they literally have a replacement for sam punk just there but they don't know how to package him so he's just left in the undercard and i think we you know we have another austin aries on our hands here well how would you compare in your opinion you know wrestlers from other parts of the world coming to the united states and, and having a, a difficult time with getting over as opposed to when Americans go to like maybe New Japan. And do you think that they struggle with the same things, being kind of a fish out of water, being in a different area? Or do you no. think maybe not necessarily? No, it's totally different. Japanese wrestling is completely different to US wrestling. Japanese culture is completely different to US culture. The main thing about it is it's a re very, very easy to get over in Japan as a foreigner because they're kind of racist. You know, like that's just <laughs> the way it is. You know, you, you can boo, you can boo the American vehemently that's what the Bullet Club is you know, people don't understand what the Bullet Club is you know it plays into the cultural dislike of the outsider you know and look I'm a huge Japanese wrestling fan I'm a huge you know weeb in a lot of ways but you know let's call a spade a spade like that's what Japanese wrestling's based on you know that's what a lot of wrestling's based on it's based on the negative stereotype you know that's why a lot of the heel characters kind of play into this but it's, you know, that's why it's easier because they can come out and be disrespectful to the Japanese culture, be disrespectful to the Japanese, play on that kind of cultural, and I know racism is a strong word to use, but, you know, uh, favoritism towards the the home, the homegrown talent. 
and they're able to exploit that and that's why you're able to get you know these really cool white hot rivalries between the american or canadian and japanese wrestlers look at chris jericho that's that's the whole reason why chris jericho's angle ren works so well and also brock lesnar that's why he he was pushing the whole time you know uh it's completely disrespectful it's going in and smashing people up because he's you know more dominant than whoever they're throwing in front of him and you know that's that's the difference in 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 wwe that's not there they're trying to appease everybody they can't really go hardcore on something so in order to get over you can't <laughs> they they want the cake and eat it too using that mentality is very very lazy because it's a very very tribal thing within humans but <laughs> obviously in a in our pc kind of world where you know everything's trying to be, be a bit more aggressive you can't do that right so you have to kind of give them something else so you have to have a character that people hate but that requires work and and talent and WWE creative are neither of those things they hate working and they hate they have no talent so they're just kind of <laughs> left floating so it's like what do we do guys uh oh well he's from japan okay what else does he do well he can kick people okay uh, and he wins sometimes okay <laughs> you know <laughs> you know or in, in look at finn oh he's from bray okay most people don't know where bray is okay uh right you know and it's, so either they, they come That's up with, it. yeah either they come up with something or they completely flounder and you know that that dead air silence that's a WWE creative meeting guys backstage all the way you know <laughs> just so yeah that's the problem you know when if if you're not if you don't click in with uh, on a cultural level which is what they do outside of America in in Japan and that and they use you know the kind of stuff to kind of just kind of tap into basic good versus evil you have to give them a reason to do it and look we've seen it with Becky Going out and just being a badass version of Stone Coast, a, f- a badass ver- a female version of Stone Coast, Steve Austin. She's one of the biggest talent now in WWE right now. As a result of that, when she debuted, she came out lepping around like a leprechaun. You know, <laughs> this is what I mean. It's up to the talent to actually push forward to this, and Shinsuke's just not doing that. Do you think when it comes to individuals who are not homegrown, US based, that the WWE has typically relied upon giving them mouthpieces? So do you think this was something that they might have even considered at some point in time saying, all right, well, you know, Shinsuke has got the whole, you know, I don't speak English, et cetera, et cetera, which obviously is not really helping the situation. Do you think they ever thought of, or maybe in your opinion, Dara, do you think having a mouthpiece for him, kind of like an advocate for Brock Lesnar with what Paul Heyman does, do you think that would work for him? Or do you think it's, it's even too far gone for something like that to work out at this point? That's a good question. Um, honestly, the best thing that could happen to him is he gets injured. You know, or they write him off in some way. Um, just not not seriously injured. Just just enough to kind of get him off TV for a while. Um, so they have time to repackage him. But then again, unless they have a plan, that's that's just him losing time. An advocate would be a good idea, but even a character, you know, like I don't know if you're familiar with Chikara or mm-hmm. are familiar with Gorilla Pro or something like that. You know, where they do push these ridiculous gimmicks but you know it, it does kind of fly like you have someone who can do incredible things but they don't present it in any kind of way that puts that over so a mouthpiece 
Yeah, that would do so much. But then again, unless they present him in a way that puts fo- puts that forward, he's still just going to be like, well, you know, you have a Kurt Hennig situation, you know, or with Curtis Axel. <laughs> Sorry, you have a Curtis Axel situation where he's like, okay, he's a Paul Heyman guy, but this is really lame. Or you have a Ryback situation, you know. I think a combination of two, so a co- combination of those two would be a better a better fit for Shinsuke. So one, go to the, the writing team like right let's give him a character what's his character uh you know it's interesting that you mentioned if they were to repackage him because think about this how do you repackage somebody like shinsuke nakamura meaning very how do you very easily how would you change well here's what i do i wouldn't change the name or anything like that but i would kind of embrace because look let's use the finn balor as as a mold right balor is an irish god an irish demon king of the demons right a lot of his moves relate to Irish culture and Irish mythology and also Irish history, like, um, you know, Bloody Sunday and all that kind of stuff, right? Embrace that. Shinsuke, right, what has he got? You could repack some, you know, in um, a Yakuza way, you know, where he dresses uh, dresses like a, a hitman or something, you know? Uh, and then he comes out and he's very, very cold and very, very collected. The bell rings, he takes someone's head off, you know, and that's what he is. You know, the hitman is like comes out or sorry Yakuza uh, mouthpiece then presents him in that way go look Shinsuke has had it he's embracing this dark element of uh, Japanese society and that's what he's bringing to the WWE or if you wanted to go further with um, the Finn Balor thing and Jay, you know, embrace some figures from Japanese mythology you know you have a canvas here paint on it and right now they're just you know they're just doodling in the corner you have a big palette try stuff you know, and there's lots you can do. Shinsuke is a very talented guy; he can make it work. But until something like that happens, it's just something to grab onto for people who don't know who he is, or let him be what he was in New Japan. But the difference, with, and I know people are screaming that now, and they're probably going to at me. But the difference is in New Japan, he could cut a promo to Japanese people in Japanese. Here, he can't do that because it wouldn't work. You know, it just, and even with a translator, that would look really lame. You know, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't fit. You have to give him something people like, kind of hang on to. So if you're going to give him a heater or a hype man, he needs to hype up something. So look, what I would say is, have him have a break. I don't mean, I don't mean kick him in the, in the in the groin again or have that as an angle, but give him a break where he gets, he loses. Like he gets beaten very, very badly in the, in the ring, you know, like Rusev attacks him or something. Goes off TV for two months, a month. We get all these vignettes, you know, where it's like clips from like um, Japanese movies, you know, or like kind of like the crime movies, you know, and uh, you know, we then he comes comes in, you know, we see this advocate pop up, and he's like, you know, cuts some kind of promo to build up the hype. We see someone get attacked. We we'll say it's Rusev. Rusev gets attacked backstage, and then there's like a card thrown out or something, and that happens for a couple of weeks. And then Shinsuke comes out as this new this new version of Shinsuke. And there you go. People will be like, oh my god, that's really weird. I haven't seen that before. That's kind of crazy, you know? And it'll build up that kind of anticipation. So when he gets in the ring, people are already familiar with the character. They already know what to cheer. It's not just Shinsuke Nakamura. <laughs> it's like, okay, it's, you know, Yakuza Shinsuke Nakamura. That's what I do. Do you think that WWE ever had intentions or... 
ideas of having him be maybe their world champion at some point in time? Or do you think it was, hey, we'll bring him in. Let's see how this works. If he gets over, great. But uh, we're not going to put too many eggs in this basket. I don't think they put any eggs in the basket. What WWE want is they want all the payoff and none of the work. So compared to how if he had shown up in NXT... We would probably see something like what I said a few minutes ago, where they would have rehabbed the character and given him something to work with. But then again, it's like there's no way Shinsuke would go into NXT. You know, that's that's a massive demotion for him. So I think they were just kind of like, well, look, if he gets over, he gets over. But they didn't really understand what he had. You know, like for anyone who doesn't know, Shinsuke Nakamura's character in New Japan was pretty much the John Cena version of that promotion. He was the face of the promotion, pretty much. Um. And instead of embracing that, they just kind of let him flounder. And, he, you know, he had some great matches, because of course he did. But now it's just like, well, you're on the pre-show, and I don't really see any justification for him not being on the pre-show, if I'm honest. No, I mean, it makes sense. It's one of those situations where, and you, you mentioned this earlier, he hasn't really evolved a whole lot. And I know that, you know, you're not going to deviate too far from what your character is, but you're, you are going to evolve. There is some level of evolution that, that's going to happen. And there hasn't been a whole lot of that, if, if any of that. And I think that's what you're kind of seeing with Rusev as well. You know, Rusev is his opponent here. Outside of Rusev Day, have we really seen a whole lot of change with Rusev? I mean, ever since he went to being more of a face, he's just been that rah-rah guy, that cheerleader guy. And yeah, that's it. But even like, st- but even still, look how he debuted. He debuted as a brute who broke a board, and he got over by smashing through people. But then when it came to the main event, uh, like the, the main roster and main event matches, he just kind of floundered because there was nothing to hang on to. So he had to kind of develop, and he got Lana, and then people like Lana because you know how can you not? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's be real. But it wasn't until you know. You see the things that people kind of t- uh, latch on to. Like, look at the New Day. The New Day should have failed. It was a ridiculous gimmick, but they made it work because they're really, really creative and they're really, really talented guys. And it's not that, hey, you know, Kofi's a great high flyer or, you know, uh, you know, it's none of those things. It's that it's the gimmick is funny and the guys in the stable love what they're doing and they have a clear idea of who they are. And, uh, you know, that that's key for wrestling. If you don't have that, then there's no point. You know, like, it can be a bad character. No problem. But in order for something to be a bad character, you need to understand, well, what's a good character? And, you know, that's not their job. That's the job of creative to push through. But I just think it's it's not the right environment. If Shinsuke had to show up in the Attitude Era, yeah, he probably would have been given a very, very offensive gimmick. But he probably would have got over. Let's be real. Um, you know that's the that's the that's the funny thing about the attitude there. It it gave the guy something to work with. Now they have nothing to work with, and they're just kind of left. And if they get over, awesome. If not, they don't. And that's why I think like an AEW thing would be much better, um, for him right now because they would kind of build up the fact that hey, this guy's a big effing deal, you know. And right now, now WWE is just not. 
Now, things just aren't seeming to work out very well, and I don't know if it's a matter of timing, like you said before, whether it's a matter of WWE creative just really isn't putting the work in to use a talent and to exploit a talent like Shinsuke Nakamura to the company's best abilities to go ahead and manufacture somebody who really could be a very profitable entity for them. Right now, he's floundering largely due to the fact that they have nothing to do with him, and like you said what they even have. So it's one of those situations where they wanted to scoop him up because they knew he was great, but yet once they got him over here, they realized, oh, he's not the same Shinsuke as he was in New Japan. Therefore, we have to put in some work. Okay, we'll get around to that. That never happened. Kind now of. all we see is it's on replay every single time he comes out. Kind of, Mike, but it's not that he's not the same Shinsuke Nakamura as he was in New Japan. He is. It's just they're not New Japan. Well, as far as the character persona itself, correct. He, yeah. He's not. Yeah, like the thing about he's, it is, like I, you I, said before, he's like the the John Cena over there, but but here, yeah, not even close. Yeah, it's like, and that's just it doesn't matter who they put in. You know, if they take, you know, you mentioned Abyss. Abyss comes over to WWE. If if they expect him to do the Abyss stuff in WWE, that's not going to work. You know, they're not going to have him. You know, bleeding all over the place and throwing through thumbtacks and fire. It's like. No, that's not going to work. They're going to have to kind of do some way to rehab him to make him WWE compliant. In NXT, yeah, you'd probably get away with it. But on the main roster, you kind of have to retool. Like, look at Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode's a prime example of how to do it correctly. You know, he's still still the fifth. Bobby Roode's very interesting. I feel I have mixed feelings with the way things have happened with Bobby Roode. Yeah, well, so do I. But I think his time will come. You know, like we saw in the Rumble there that it, at one point it was literally just TNA from 2008. You know, <laughs> it really was. And I'm like, I was loving it, man. I'm like, this is fantastic. But other people were like, oh, you know, it's like watching Impact. I'm like, that was never a bad thing, uh, no. talent wise. But, you know, I, I, I just I have a feeling that any talent that leaves WWE now, it's not because they're they're bad or they're an ill fit it's because creatives still don't understand how to take what they have and push it as it should be pushed the Royal Rumble also had a lot of other things that before the main card actually started and I thought this was really good another match it was a fatal four way for the WWE Cruiserweight title Kalisto and I'm going to mispronounce this um, Itami and Kazawa and Buddy Murphy. Am I even close in those pronunciations? Close Kazawana? enough. Yeah, close enough. Okay. Now, the one thing I will tell you about this one here, you know, kind of taking a step away from, from Shinsuke and Rusev here is I love Buddy Murphy. What are your thoughts on Buddy Murphy right now? And are you in the camp of Buddy Murphy is a budding superstar waiting to take that next step? Yeah, but it kind of sums up exactly what we said. Why do you like Bu- Bu- Buddy Murphy? I like him just because I feel like he's those one of those competitors that obviously physically he has the abilities. But I feel like he's got that passion that connects with the audience. He's got that charisma. I feel like he's able to be very likable. I don't think he necessarily has a gimmick, if you will. But I feel like he's one of those characters that you can relate to. Mm. And I think that's what gets him over with the audience. And that's my point. That's, that's my point. 
you know, he has he doesn't need a, a silly gimmick or an overly pushed gimmick because he already has it. You know, he's he's a likable guy. He's like a Sami Zayn. You know, it turns out actually he's three three days older than me. So there you go. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, you can actually relate, relate to the guy, and you know, he's really good in the ring. But you know, there you go. Compared to the other two, but two of the guys in the ring, and then Kalisto. Uh, you know who are you gonna root for? You're gonna root for Buddy, uh, Buddy Murphy, and that's why he's the cruiserweight champion. The match was decent, I have to say. It was a lot shorter than I was expecting, but cruiserweight title has has its, up, has its ups and downs. But I enjoy watching cruiserweight matches now again, which is good. Yeah, and I think 205 Live is really going to start to turn the corner. I think that you know it, it took quite a while for it to get its uh, its legs underneath it, but I think it's really going to start uh, taking off. And I think that a lot more people, because of the cross-branding with the different brands now with pay-per-views, I think people are going to start seeing a lot more of exposure to what they might not have seen if they had to tune in specifically for that show. So I think with something like this, it gives all of the participants a larger exposure. It puts them on a grand stage. It doesn't put them on the main card yet, but I mean, really, as far as Buddy Murphy's concerned in the cruiserweight title, Buddy Murphy does more for the cruiserweight division than the cruiserweight division does for Buddy Murphy. Yeah. And I think Buddy would would succeed on the main roster, even if he wasn't the cruiserweight champion, just because he is that type of person that he just has that it factor. And it's so hard to put your finger on exactly what it is about him. But the story that they were telling, what pay-per-view was it? Was it WrestleMania where it was just absolutely amazing? They told the story of him and where he had come from and you know, being an underdog and all of this. And he had this phenomenal match with a very dear close friend that they had, you know, a rivalry. And the match was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And to see him, you know, win the championship at that point, and it was great. It was one of those things where the story was told really, really well. But whether or not he's a champion or not, not everyone needs a belt. You know, Buddy Murphy doesn't need the belt. The belt needs Buddy Murphy, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think the Cruiserweight title... Look, that's the thing, you know. Belts... Belts are props, you know, and they're there to kind of either build up someone. But in order for things to to be built up, it needs to have a reputation beforehand. And there's a difference between putting the belt on someone like Neville, no disrespect to Neville, or Buddy Murphy. And it's apples and oranges, you know. Like, Neville just carried around the belt... And no one really cared about it, but when you have matches like this, it really kind of readjusts people's perception of what this belt's supposed to be. Look at the X Division in TNA. That's why that belt and that division actually kind of got a good reputation, because everybody knew that this is the pinnacle of TNA. This is something completely different than what you're going to see in the rest of the card, and if the lads work with that in mind, well, then it gets over itself, and whoever's holding that belt is taken seriously instead of a joke. Speaking of the X Division, it was it was interesting because you're a big Impact slash TNA fan, and, and so am I. And it's interesting because the X Division was so much more important than the Heavyweight Championship. Like it was one of those things where it was like, well, let's get to the X Division stuff, you know, because those were the matches that everyone was so intrigued to see. And the women, those were the so and the, women, yeah. and the women's division as well. Yeah. But it's it's almost the exact reversal where one company puts so much focus and emphasis on the world champion and the universal champion, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what they deem to be the the higher, more prestigious belts. When other promotions say, you know, it's not necessarily the belt that necessarily deems whether the match is supposed to be higher on the card or not. It's the people who elevate that belt. And it's the people who put all the effort into the match to make it what it is. And 
I think that's what Impact Wrestling slash TNA did really, really well, what, 10, 12 years ago. Well, they understood the formula of that. Well, I think it's about your infrastructure. You know, like WWE's infrastructure has been hardwired in where, you know, it used to be where you'd start off, you know, maybe going for the European Championship or start off in a tag team and then you'd break away and go for the Intercontinental Belt and then it would be good enough then to go for the WWE title. You know, so that's their kind of infrastructure that's kind of hard-coded into every WWE fan subconsciously or, you know, consciously, where when someone does that, you kind of bite them as more of a legitimate star. So that's just kind of how it is. But in TNA, for example, it was the opposite. It was like, well, we have a world title, but, you know, no one really wants that. It's more the exhibition because that's kind of more spot. Uh, orientated and that's how that company was kind of built to be something completely different to the WWE so it's more like a a legacy issue that they have there Um, but with other products so 205 Live NXT that still exists where you know you're going to get something different there so it doesn't matter who the NXT champion is you know you can have a whole and you do now have a whole slew of other champions and based on where that is on the card or what kind of match type it is or who's in the match, you kind of buy it as this is the real main event. So uh, it's weird. WWE is kind of competing with itself and beating itself in a lot of ways in by doing stuff that their old competitors used to do. And that's really strange to think about. The Royal Rumble, in, in like I said, there was many things that we, we both had talked about that we liked a lot. Mm-hmm. And... Is this a case of nepotism or is this a situation where, no, I really think this makes sense from a standpoint of drawing the audience in? The new SmackDown Tag Team Champions are Shane McMahon and The Miz. And I bring in nepotism for this simple fact. Is this a situation where, you know, it it was always – and they had told the story how Shane had always wanted to be a tag team champion. It's something that he'd always aspired to be. Is this a situation where... I, I literally started, like, l- lulling when I heard that. I'm like, no, that's total bullshit. I know. I'm like, and no I'm one. thinking, what's going on here? Is this just Shane's quest to have what he always wanted? Or do you think this is, quote-unquote, best for business? What's your thoughts? From a... From which? From a kayfabe perspective or from a realistic perspective? What one do you want? <laughs> Give me the realistic perspective. Uh, man, I just think they ran out of ideas. Um, you know, it's like, well, what hasn't Shane done? Okay, cool, we'll do this. You know, and it's kind of like a bit of rehab for the Miz as well. Um, this doesn't hurt the bar at all. Um, they'll probably win it back. It's just a, you know, WWE being WWE. You know, there's no reason for there to be a Raw and SmackDown tag team championship. There should only be one, and the team should travel. Or, you know, they should have like brackets and then they face off at pay per views or big shows. It would make way more sense. Um, I hate two tag team divisions for one for two belts. It's always messy. Um, and this is like a prime example of it because you get really, really weird, lazy matches like this. From a kayfabe perspective, I don't know. Like Shane McMahon as a character doesn't really make any sense. Like, yeah, if this was Shane McMahon in 1998 and this was the first belt he ever went for, yeah, okay, I could buy it. And that's kind of how we won the European Championship to screw with the Xbox, you know, um, and the hardcore belt, you know, it would make sense now as like a, what's he, 45, 50 years old? Right. Yeah. It's like a man with kids and a wife. It's like, 
no, man, you're way too old for this. Like, no, <laughs> make any sense. It's like if he's out there with the Main Street Posse, you know, with the Miz, it's like, yeah, that'll be cool. Or even bring back the Main Street Posse or have a new Main Street Posse to kind of get over that. Yeah, he is a rich, a rich snobby kid, you know, or not kid, but, you know, snobby kind of uh, Wall Street kind of character, you know. Uh, yeah, like put the work. This is again, man, what I'm saying to you. WWE just, they want the cake and won't and eat it too, you know, like this is something that requires some work. But Shavik Man now doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make sense from even a couple of years ago. I don't buy it. Well, I just think it's... it's well, you have, I just don't buy it. Sorry, go on. You have The Miz who you saw on television for so many weeks. <sighs> he was trying to hype this. And he was really trying to inject some level of interest from the audience into this. Acting like it was a big deal. Unfortunately, you're right. It's not. It's not the late 90s. He's not that pretentious, I have a silver spoon in my mouth. The You know, the talent roster doesn't like me because they see see me as is daddy's golden boy that scenario worked when he was that guy who was the antagonistic individual who's trying to get belts just to spite the other people hmm. but now it's now he's trying to pretend like he's this father knows best type of guy oh i'm liked by everybody and and now i'm going to go ahead and team up with the miz and yeah it just doesn't have legs and the fact that a great team like the bar had to do that match. They got to be shaking their heads, going, "Really? Like, this is the best you got for us right now?" And well, you take man, the belts off us. You know. So I, I'm hoping you're right with this being a a quick turnaround, and and the bar gets the belts back because, man, this is just this is poor, poor planning yeah. all the way around. Uh, but again, it's look. It wouldn't matter who was in that match. It'd still be very underwhelming, you know. And and I'd say for anyone who doubts that. Look up the Highlanders. <laughs> you know, that was a tag team in when Raw was in its uh, darkest days, and they were going <laughs> for they were going for the, the Raw tag team championships, two thousand five, two thousand six, two thousand seven. Terrible years for wrestling. Um, in WWE, sorry. And it's the same thing here. You know, when you start fragmenting your roster out like this for no reason, it's it just comes off as very lame. You know, if they had like a transfusion with NXT talent well that would be something totally different you know cause, but they're not going to do that I just I just feel that matches like this and scenarios like this result from talent being spread too thin to try and do way too much whatever about having two world titles that's kind of silly in and of itself but having two tag divisions it's just ridiculous so I don't know I don't buy it Never understood why they call one the WWE Championship and one the Universal instead of just saying one's the Raw Championship. I, I just – I don't understand in saying one's a SmackDown. Universal would make me think that that's even higher than yeah. the WWE Championship. I, I don't know. Next one's going to be the Galactic Championship. It just <sighs> doesn't make sense. But Shane McMahon and The Miz are your champions whether we like it or not. It will be interesting to see how long – they keep that pair together to see if uh, they continue to keep on their winning ways or they break them up or maybe they build something up towards a WrestleMania. Either way, I don't think there's a whole lot of fan interest in whatever they choose to do with these two guys. Moving on, Sasha Banks, Ronda Rousey. Um, that was the women's Raw championship match. Let me ask you this question. What were your thoughts on 
that match itself. I wanted to get to Ronda quickly because there's a couple other Ronda topics that I think you and I should should hit upon as well. But what were your thoughts on this match? I personally liked it a lot. I think we saw more out of Ronda than we had previously. I think her selling was really good. And you can't deny how good Sasha Banks is. Oh, yeah. Sasha Banks is fantastic. Um, Ronda, I don't know. It's like, I think now she's kind of hitting her... She's hitting her stride. She finally kind of knows what she's doing. And she's getting ready to walk out. So I'm like, uh All right. So it feel, feels to me like we're on countdown before she lose that, lose that belt. Like, Well, it's interesting you mentioned that before because there has been so many reports uh, prior to the Royal Rumble that Ronda has at least hinted um, to WWE. And, and maybe not even so subtle that... You know, her time within the company is is definitely towards the end, is more so than the middle or the beginning. You know, Rhonda had even mentioned in interviews before that before she gets too old, she would like to have children. She would like to have the family life going. But she's also kind of expanded herself to do other things as far as the entertainment business is concerned, making more money, maybe not having to travel as much, you know, not putting her body through what she had done with her UFC career and now WWE. I guess the first part of this question is, should we even be surprised that the Ronda Rousey experiment, you know, let's say it ends at WrestleMania, only lasted a year? Or should we say, no, when it came to this, we knew that this was be a short-term thing? I think if she leaves within a year, the argument that wrestling is lesser than to MMA can finally be put aside can finally be finished you can have a 10-year career and well you have six-year career in mma and then you're kind of done you know ronda had less than a year and she's you know ready to be done with it it's it just shows you that they are completely different and just because you're good at one doesn't mean you're good at the other and for the longest time actually this has been like the other way around where wrestlers try out mma and then usually usually fail so I don't know. I'd be sad to see her leave, but I totally understand why she would. Like she's in a lot more movies. She's uh, doing the vo- she did the voice of Sonia uh, in in a Mortal Kombat Eleven. So you know she's she's doing that kind of stuff, and you know I'm not going to say hey look she's wrong to be doing it, but at the end of the day, it's not what her fans want. It's not what people who support her in WWE want, but. I'm not going to be good. Someone wanting to have kids. And, you know, if that's what she wants to do, then that's what she wants to do. I just think it's kind of sad that she's only now starting to get good and she's getting ready to walk. It's just, it's, it sucks. It really does. Do you think in any way, in, in, I don't know, I'm not trying to play conspiracy theorist here, but what happens if Rhonda said, at least in her mind, thought, hey, I'm going to sign with WWE. I'm going to go ahead and spend some time with this company. I'm going to go ahead and bring myself back to prominence. And and I guess what I mean by that is, you know, after her back-to-back losses, I mean, Ronda's stock was was pretty low. A lot of people were looking at her as she was a one-trick pony. You know, it's it's interesting when you're winning, everyone sings your praises. But when you start losing, everyone starts to, you know, open different closets and, and start to pick you apart and uh, – you know, criticize you and whatnot. So WWE really was the avenue to revitalize the Ronda Rousey product itself. 
But do you think she she used WWE if she has gone in a year to say, hey, this is going to be my stepping stone, if you will. I'm going to use this exposure to go ahead and, and, and kind of um, catapult me into doing other things here. I will get that fix of wrestling that I always wanted to do. It won't be very long, but yet I'll be able to go ahead and make bigger money and do better things. And, uh, you know, having used WWE to maybe kind of rebuild my reputation from what it was when I left the UFC. No, not necessarily. Um, I think she did genuinely want to do it, but I don't know if she wanted to do it, if that makes sense. No, it does. You know, like she may have been like, well, okay, you know, I kind of want to do this. And then she didn't realize, oh, this is what this is. So I think she's got out of her system now and she's happy to be like, well, I've achieved what I wanted to achieve. Um, and I'm the world champion. Because like, where else does she go? You know, f- from from someone, given her background, the natural response to when you reach the top is, well, you know, time to leave. And it's, it's, the, it's like Brock Lesnar, but the difference is, you know, he has a certain lifestyle that he wants to keep. And he can just, you know, kind of work. Like, he doesn't have the, the biological clock thing that women do. Where, you know, if she doesn't have kids in a couple of years, it becomes becomes kind of dangerous to do so so that is the factor i believe we're having a little bit of a brock lesnar scenario but with the added f- effects of well you know biologically there are challenges that women face that men don't um so i i get it it just kind of sucks you know maybe she could have done this sooner um two or three years ago and we could have had a bit of a longer run but all i say to anyone who's a ronda rousey fan you know don't look for her probably after WrestleMania. It's interesting, you know, because you said before that you really feel like she's starting to hit her stride. And I think she is because in this match, I felt like she did more as far as storytelling than she had done in her previous matches. And what I mean by that is before it was just tons of arm drags basically leading up to, you know, putting on the submission arm bar and then that being it. But she did a lot of selling in this one and she was – really portraying the character much more than she was just this brute force. I'm going to run at you at a hundred miles an hour. I'm a combat fighter type of persona that she had had before. And I think she really, really meshed well with Sasha in this match. And I think it brought the best out of Sasha as well, because I think we saw Sasha elevate her game as well. And I think what really separates someone like a Sasha Banks and a Ronda Rousey is Sasha understands the psychology of it. She is better suited for this industry, even though, you know, Rhonda might be a better pure athlete. I think when it comes to wrestling, at least from my experiences, it's more between your ears than the muscles and the glitz, the glamour and the look. If you can be a good worker, that is a hundred times more valuable than being a good wrestler. Mm. And that's what we saw with people like a Hulk Hogan, you know, or we saw with people like maybe a Rowdy Piper, for example, where maybe not the greatest wrestler, maybe not even that good at at actually wrestling, but they understood how to work the audience and to work the crowd and to, you know, captivate people. And I think Sasha has that ability. I think Ronda is starting to tap into that a little bit, but I think just her normal quiet demeanor per se just is not going to get over as well as some other more mainstay wrestling personas. Would you agree with that? I feel like her natural personality is going to be what limits her with taking that next step. Yeah, I agree 100%. 100%. 
hundred percent. So what's going to happen? I don't know. It was a great match. I loved it. I thought Ronda did extremely well. And and this may very well be the best match that she's had in her career so far. I love Sasha Banks. I fell in love with her even more after last night. I think that she's just so good at what she does. And just the facial expressions and the way she's able to express different moments in that match where the camera can zoom in on her and you really feel like you are being sucked into it. And it's very believable. I think that's what makes Sasha really good. And I'm glad to see that she was headlined in a, in a match like this. And hopefully, maybe after Ronda's gone, we'll see more of Miss Sasha Banks. Sticking with the women, one thing I did want to talk to you about, which which in some ways surprised me, but then at the end of the night, it kind of made me say, oh, I get it. That's why they did what they did. Asuka and Becky Lynch. And there's no doubt whatsoever that both women are phenomenally talented, but if you're just going by who's over right now, you would have booked that match and you would have booked Becky Lynch going over. I think anyone would have done that 99.9 out of 100 times, mm. if you can really do 0.9. But did it surprise you that they went ahead and had Asuka go over Becky Lynch clean uh, prior to knowing what was going to happen later on in that night? Do you think that oh, yeah. was a good idea from a booking perspective? Yeah, I think it was a great idea. Um, yeah. really- What's your thoughts on that one? I thought it was a fantastic idea. It, it gave them an inbuilt WrestleMania storyline. You know, it gave them the WrestleMania main event. It was really clever, actually, when you think about it. And it's, it's rare that I'd give WWE creative credit, but, you know, Becky is, she's just once in a generation talent. Um, she really is. And I think they knew that they weren't going to be able to book a storyline with this, with, you know, with a, with a baby face chasing the belt. You know, let's put it this way. If Becky had went over, we probably would have the same match with Oscar or someone else, but it would have a, a heel gone after them. So, given Becky her her loss and then her WrestleMania, or sorry, her Royal Rumble win sets up, you know, it writes itself. It was genius. It really was. Well, I think it, it definitely it, it helps Asuka in a big way, too, because I think in so many ways, you know, Asuka, in my opinion, was being overlooked. Mm. She was being underutilized. And then finally, when she ended up winning the latter match, I thought, wow, this is really great. And then I saw, well, she's going to be booked against Becky Lynch, who's <laughs> she's she's about as hot as an egg in a frying pan here. So that was a short title reign. But they, they went the opposite way that probably most you know, novice fans thought they were going to go. And for her to lose, it really started to to make you think, okay, so what's going to happen with Becky at this point? At least it did for me, in my mind. I would have never thought that they would have gone ahead and done this as far as what we saw later on that night. Did you see that happening from the get-go? Like, oh, they're going to do something where Becky's going to be involved with the Royal Rumble match itself. I didn't see it coming, but I wasn't too surprised. You know, when when Lana came out, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Here we go. You know, um and I let I was I was genuinely happy, you know, uh to see Becky obviously cuz she's Irish, but also because it was, you know, a good match. When they did it later on in the night, uh was not a fan. There is the difference. You know, and I think as good as the Royal Rumble was for women, it was that bad for the men. You know, 
And I think that's probably the next place to go. Yeah, no, I'm with you with that one. I mean, for everything that was good and that was memorable and that got the fans on their feet, it felt like the men's was just you could hear a pin drop. Yeah. Or you could hear a conversation happening in the in the upper deck. It was that quiet. Like, and no, no, it, no, like it did start off with my favorite surprise entrance. You ever. you were loving this, oh, and I I knew it. this. Loved so it. so take me through your uh, your fanning out when it came to something like this. Oh man! So when Elias started, I'm like, oh okay, this is kind of lame. Not a huge fan of Elias, but then Double J came out, and I'm like, oh my god, dying. You know that was fantastic. I was kind of annoyed. Like I I like Jeff Jarrett a lot, um, but. When I I wish he had came out to his um, nineteen ninety nine music. I thought that's probably his best music in WWE. But they could have done with my baby tonight, and then they didn't, and I was devastated. So screw you, Elias. He took that from the world. Thanks, man. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just I thought it was good, really good. You know, it started off quite well. Uh, Samoa Joe, fantastic, put a great performance. Kurt Angle in there was was really really cool. Drew McIntyre, um, Seth Rollins, obviously, but I think it really started to lose steam from about nineteen, from from about nineteen till about twenty seven. After you know, after Bobo, the golf Lashley came out, um, <laughs> it was just kind of nothing. You know, it was very very bland. There was nothing really to. To, to write home about as such and I think it's a mix between like a lot of those guys were NXT guys some of them were Smackdown guys lesser known Smackdown guys uh, and you know even the Raw guys that they had there you know Dean Ambrose looked like he was homeless and got lost uh, it was just like, <laughs> your comments on Twitter and guys if you're not following Dara you have to because it is absolutely hysterical everything that you're probably thinking in your mind Dara goes ahead and he says yeah you know what I'm thinking it too and I'm going to let you know <laughs> it was awesome Dean Ambrose just you said it was like Dean Ambrose just like staggered in there like a homeless man it was <laughs> hilarious because I'm thinking like he just looks like a bum just walking in there like what what the hell is this yeah it was just terrible. Like I like Dean Ambrose, but I'm like, man, you know, everything we said about Shinsuke is applied doubly to, to, um, to Dean Ambrose. He's just wandering. And when I saw him, I'm like, oh my god, who's that? And I was like, oh wow, okay, that looks really bad. <laughs> and I think that's the problem. There were no really big names to get excited about here you know and some people say oh Rey Mysterio Jeff Hardy I'm like if you're still excited about Rey Mysterio and Jeff Hardy in 2019 you're as bad as King's commentary was you know <laughs> I agree with you on that one if you pop for that I mean hey I understand you're a little nostalgic that's fine but you normally look for something big to happen and I'll even admit, I even thought for a second that they might be keeping it quiet and, you know, maybe Roman Reigns would be would come out no, number 29 or something. But I mean, obviously, that was a little too uh, optimistic for something like that. But I mean, there were a lot of people who even held out hope that maybe a Kenny Omega was going to come out. Now, I don't know what the odds or the re reality of that actually happening were probably extremely, extremely low, but. The the rumble match. Well, outside of the stuff that you mentioned, yeah, I, it was kind of a snooze. Like I did hear that you know someone put forward on Twitter that was pretty cool that you know they kind of repeat what they did with Becky 
And Dara, if people would like to continue this conversation with you, how can people reach out to you? Yeah, so the best way to reach me is on my Twitter, which is at Dara WV. So D-A-R-R-A-G-H-W-V. And if you want to check out any more content that I produce from a podcast perspective, they just go need to go over to nerdtoknowmedia.com. That is perfect. That is perfect. Guys, I do highly recommend following Dara as well. Really, really intriguing individual. Has great insight into the world of professional wrestling. Definitely loves to engage with his followers. So definitely please follow him. And if you would like to engage with me, if you would like to continue this conversation with me on social media, I would be more than happy to go ahead and go into it. You can follow me. I am at Mike Freeland, M-I-K-E-F-R-E-L-A-N-D. You can follow me on the Freeland Wrestling Rewind, which is this show right here on my social media account. Or you can go ahead and follow my other show that I do, and that's called Front Row Material with Mikey Whipwreck and Jerry Lynn, where we talk about their careers, specifically in ECW, when wrestling was super, super hot in the 90s. What was going on with Paul Heyman, Tommy Dreamer, Sandman? Taz, what's the stories behind some of these guys? What were some of the crazy nights that they uh, had partying? What's the true story that happened in ECW? All that and a whole lot more. If you follow us at FRM Pod, you can follow Mikey Whipwreck, Jerry Lynn, and myself. We have new episodes that are dropping every single Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here in the United States, or you can check out our archives. We have all of that stuff once again. Anywhere fine podcasts are made available. For my broadcast colleague and dear personal longtime friend, Darrow O'Connor, my name is Mike Freeland. Thank you so much for carving out a little time of your day to join us. This has been the Freeland Wrestling Rewind. We'll catch you next week. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of WrestleView here on Phoenix 92.5 FM. WrestleView.com and NerdToKnowMedia.com here on WrestleView.